John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. And this is a story about Jesus meeting a blind man, doing something amazing, and then the fallout of that. Uh, It's a pretty brilliant story. So as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night's coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, This means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. I don't think that's, I'm the man. I think it's, I am that man. (laughs) How then were your eyes opened? They asked. Well, he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went, washed, then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who'd been blind. And you know, the Pharisees were the kind of religious rulers of the day. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he'd received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still didn't believe that he'd been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. So his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. Anyone that acknowledged who Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man's a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
And to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. May God bless the Bible to us, the reading of his word. Stories. Stories are important, aren't they? Stories are important in our lives, in our society. Stories, the power of them, that even sell sky. (laughs) Well, today, as we said, we continue our series on generosity. And I don't know what comes to mind when you think of the word generous. It may be images like this. Sharing comes to your mind when you think of being generous. Or maybe you think of sort of images like this. People in high positions serving those in lower positions, being generous to those lower quotes than them. Or maybe you think of things like this. Doing something you absolutely hate doing for somebody you love, being generous. Or maybe, as goes around every now and again on Facebook and Twitter and things like that, stories about radical generosity at the restaurant where people give massive tips, like this one in which a waiter was given a tip for $750 so that she'd be able to get home to Ireland for Christmas. Generosity, what comes to your mind when you think of generosity? Well, this series is all about the power of being generous and the power of a generous heart. Generosity is not beginning our actions, it begins deep within us and therefore comes out in a variety of ways. And today we're thinking then about being generous with our story, with the stories of our lives. Everybody loves a story. We're even willing to pay good money for it, like watching telly. We want to read good stories, we want to watch good stories, we want to hear good stories. They're fun, they're haunting, they're memorable. They make us identify, they make us learn, they make us process things, they help us connect with other people. Stories are crucial. And over the years, you may know loads of research has been done about the power of stories. And they've concluded that stories are not just engaging for us, they're really crucial for us as humans. As two psychology researchers concluded, storytelling is not something we just happen to do. It's something we virtually have to do if we want to remember anything at all. Stories help us live and remember And we all have a story. All of us have lives that we have lived, and therefore we have a story of that life, whether it is one we wished was different or not. And today, then, we're focusing on being willing to be generous with sharing our story with other people. Because there is a power in telling stories, and therefore, believe it or not, there is a power in you sharing your story. And we see this in that chapter we've just read. It begins with a man born blind, and there's some discussion about what's going on. And Jesus very clearly says, This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Something was going to happen in his life that others would see, others would hear of, and therefore make a difference. The same is true for you and me. Your story is unique to you, and therefore others need to hear that story, whether you believe it or not. And if you're not quite there yet, you think, well, my story, nothing's really interesting happening to me, I don't have anything, it's not a great twist or whatever. Look at these words from the book of Acts in the New Testament. Great words. 
talking about God and his relationship with people. He, that's God, marks out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Do you see that? God, according to the Bible, has appointed the time and place that you and me live. Which means, whether you are content with where you are at the moment, for this moment now, God has something for you, a reason for you, why you are here now in the place you are. Which I think is astonishing. Therefore, in your workplace, in your family, amongst your friends, in your street, whether things are as rosy as could be or whether they are awful, there is something right now that God wants to use you for. And what is that? What do those verses say? God did this so that people would seek him. And when they seek him, perhaps reach out to him and realize that he's not actually very far away anyway. The point is clear. God, if according to these verses, meant for you to be where you are right now, and the reason for that is so that you might reach out for him and find him, and therefore, by implication of that, the same is true for other people, and so for you, they may look to you and hear your story, and that might be the way in which they reach out to God and find him. Isn't that amazing? And so this week, we're setting a challenge and opportunity every week. Here's the opportunity and challenge this week. This week, why don't you simply take some time to ask somebody around you in your sphere, whatever that is, their story. Just say, I'd love to hear your, tell me your life story, tell me about it. A lot of people might say, oh, I don't have time for that. But then just ask, you know, I'd love to hear what's happened in your world, in your life. And then, why don't you also pray, if you're a follower of Jesus, for an opportunity to share something of your story. And you'll see in Outlook, at the back page, some ways that you might do that, some questions and so on, some things to process that might help you in you think about your story. But you might be thinking, Tim, that is bonkers. I'm no superhero. Nothing's happened in my life. I've got a billion questions. Why do I want to share my story? It's normal. Nothing's interesting has happened. Well, can I encourage you? Believe it or not, there is a huge opportunity in your story. You are unique and as unique as your fingerprints. And so therefore, God has done something unique in your life, is doing something unique in your life, and therefore, we want to hear about it. It's your story. And so in the passage we read, I think there's four key aspects about our story uh, that might help us, that relate to this passage and relate to our lives and may help us as we think about hearing other people's story and sharing something of our own. Here's the first thing. Your story is yours. <laughs> that might sound very odd to say, very obvious to say, but look at verse 8 and 9 of what we read to us. This man's blind, Jesus does an amazing thing, heals him. Great. But look at verse 8 and 9, and you may have picked up as we were reading this. His neighbors and those who'd formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit in Meg? And he basically says, yes, that's me. Yep, it's me. 
They tried to think differently. No, it was somebody else. It didn't look like him. wasn't him. No, no, no. And he simply says he owns it. He owns his story. Yeah, that's me. That's, that's what happened to me. Yeah. No one can dispute his story, what happened in his life. They weren't sure. Others had questions about his story. But he knows what happened to him in him. Full stop. Yeah, it's me. I'm the man. And for some of us... It is worth reflecting on our own life story and reflecting on what God has been doing in your life story. I don't know, you may be somebody you're not sure whether you'd call yourself a Christian or you may be somebody who is. You've been a Christian for years or you've just begun that journey. But why not take just some time on your own over a cup of coffee and just think about your life. Think about the things that have happened And think, as I've been through that life, have there been times where I look back and think, hmm, God might have been doing something there. Or there might be times where you think, hmm, I wish God had done something there. Or there might be times where you look back and think, to be honest, God seemed a million miles away there. But as you begin to reflect on your story, you may begin to see that God's been doing things in your life all along. The story of many people who've become a Christian, they didn't know anything about God, but decades ago, they now look back and say, I can see what God was doing. And I can see a few of you nodding your head, that's true in your story. That as you become a follower of Jesus, you're able to then look back and say, oh yeah, I see. Your story is your story. So take some time to jot it out. Why don't you put birth to however old you are. And then just what are the key moments, the key landmarks in your story. And as you do so, you begin to reflect, wow, my story, there's more going on than I thought there was. And to help you with this, look at these verses from Psalm 124. I love this psalm. It's worth reflecting on where the psalmist says, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared us against us. I remember a really good friend of mine who came from an awful, awful world. His sphere was full of crime and full-on crime as well, armed robbery and all that kind of stuff. And when he became a follower of Jesus, he was able to look back and say, ah, there were key moments where my life was saved, where perhaps that shouldn't have been the case. And he was able to say, I could see, God, what you were doing. So this story of yours is yours. Own it. There is power in it. It is unique to you, and we want to hear your story. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Your story is not only yours, but it is powerful. Now, we live in a society of slick marketing, exaggerated stories. Come along to this special prestige event. You can buy a VW this day only for extra 10% off. Wow, you're a special guest. And of course, it's just slick advertising, isn't it, and marketing. We live in a world of hot sales. And there can be a temptation for some of us to over-dramatize our story or even over-spiritualize our story. But I love this guy in this passage we read. How down to earth he is. So they question him. How then were your eyes opened? He replied, 
the man they call Jesus, made some mud, put it on my eyes. He then told me to go wash, so I went and I washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? I don't know. I love it. This isn't spiritualizing. He's just saying, I was blind. He told me to wash after spitting. Now I washed. Now I can see. Where is he? No idea. And yet, and yet, they cannot dispute the story because it's his story. And he's not overselling it. He's just saying what happened in his world, in his life. And therefore, can I remind you, your story is powerful. What God has done in your life, as you take time to reflect on it, is incredible. You don't need to over-dramatize it. It's just amazing. It's a miracle because you are a miracle. And so therefore, can I ask you, what are the moments in your life that you're able to look back and say, that happened? That happened. That didn't happen. I wasn't sure what was going on there. That was bonkers. That was awful. That was painful. That was desperate. And therefore, let me ask you, if you're a Christian, what was life like before following Jesus? What happened when you started following Jesus? And what happens now? What's happening in your life? I can tell you very simply my story in a few sentences. I came from a background where I went to church regularly. But if I'm honest, I went to university thinking that God was fundamentally against me. He didn't like me and he was waiting to catch me out. When I messed up and did some major, quote, sin, zap, boom. Until I realized at university that actually maybe God was for me, not against me. And I was broken. I was amazed at his love for me. As a result, I had a lot of tears for quite a few weeks. And then I found the true joy as I began to understand what Jesus had done for me, that he paid the price for me, and a true joy and freedom that has lasted ever since. That's not over-spiritualizing, that's what happened. And dare I say it, that's powerful for me, and your story is powerful for you and for other people. What about you? What's in your story? So it's yours. It is powerful. The third aspect is this. Bear in mind, though, your story is also pretty provocative. Do you notice as we were reading it, they didn't want to believe his story, this blind man. They didn't like where it went. They didn't like the implications of his story. Even to the point, well, it can't be him. Let's get his parents in to show that it's not really that guy. And they get him in and they basically say, I don't know, he's of age, ask him. Look at verse 24 and 25. So a second time they summoned the man who'd been blind, and they try and say, no, no, tell the truth now, you swear on the Bible, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man's a sinner, they said. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is, I was blind and now I see. And of course, they don't like it. They try and convince him otherwise about his own story. And can I just say that for some of us, as we reflect on our story, we know certain things have happened. We, we sense that God has been doing something and we kind of just resonates with us. But our world around us will try and make us think differently about it. Family members that, yeah, that's a coincidence, isn't it? Friends who are just trying to don't like what it means for their life. Which is why, by the way, it's so important to be in sort of groups 
within church life, so a community group or a life group, so that we can encourage each other and help remind each other about what God's doing in our life when those times we doubt or we're not sure. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago this incident on the Antiques Roadshow. Anyone remember this? Brilliant, brilliant incident, 2013. A vicar called Jamie McLeod bought a painting that he was sure he'd been told was a fake, but it's a pretty good fake. So he brought it to the Antiques Roadshow to see if he could get just a few hundred quid for the church roof. Brilliant. An amazing moment where Fiona Bruce spotted the painting, and she, she likes this kind of stuff, because she'd just made a program on Van Dyke's paintings. And so she then took it to somebody else to get it investigated, and of course it wasn't a fake at all, and it was worth £400,000. All because... Somebody was able to encourage him and point him in the right direction. And the same is true for us. Your story is provocative. Others may make you question, may make you think, well, did that really happen? We need each other to help point us forwards. So your story is yours. Your story is powerful. Your story is provocative. Some people aren't that keen on it. Uh, But of course, finally, your story is unfinished. You may be thinking, Tim, that's brilliant. I'd be fine if I had a story like that guy. <laughs> when we all like to have an amazing healing like that. But I think if we think that, we may miss the point slightly. Because the emphasis in this passage is not on the healing at all. It's not on this amazing miracle that Jesus has did. But it's on a contrast that is made. Did you get the contrast? There is someone who couldn't see... And by the end, he sees. But he doesn't just see with his eyes. He gets who Jesus is. And of course, you've got these other religious people who are supposedly the ones who can see. Yeah, they know the truth. And of course, by the end of the story, well, they're the ones who are blind. Not physically, but they don't know what's going on. Let me read to you after we finished our reading, verse 35. Jesus heard that the Pharisees had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. (laughs) He, in fact, is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And then there's this beautiful little encounter between Jesus and those religious leaders. Jesus said, For judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see, in other words, those who think they know, will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What are we blind to? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Do you see the contrast that's being set up? The amazing reality is the contrast between somebody who was outcast, who couldn't see, but then Jesus enables him to see who he really is. And these religious leaders who thought they knew everything, and of course, they're actually blind to who Jesus is. Your story may have an impact in helping others to see. That's amazing. The story you have right now up to this point is unfinished. 
there is still opportunities for God to work in you and through you as you share your story and as you listen to others. I don't know if you know the name Charles Templeton as I come to a close. Charles Templeton uh, was a close friend of a guy called Billy Graham. Billy Graham, if you don't know who Billy Graham is, Billy Graham was a preacher, talked a lot about Jesus, and probably the person in history who's spoken to the most people face-to-face about Jesus. When he was kind of starting this all out in the 50s, one of the guys that was close with him was a guy called Charles Templeton on the screen there. And he was also a preacher, and yet their paths went in very different directions. Billy Graham carried on and you know, was able to meet with presidents and all that sort of stuff. Charles Templeton basically stopped believing in Jesus and walked away from the Christian faith and for years kind of uh, walked away from it all. Uh, A few years ago, a journalist did an interview with Charles Templeton, now an elderly man, and asked him what he thought about Jesus. And let me read to you his response. Well, yes, he's the most important thing in my life, came his reply. I know it might sound strange, but I have to say I adore him. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. There have been many wonderful people, but Jesus is Jesus, he said. In my view, he declared, he's the most important human being who's ever existed. And the journalist was thinking, this is amazing. How you used to not believe, do you saying you do believe? And listen to his response as he approaches his death. The journalist writes, that's when Templeton uttered the words I never expected to hear him say. If I may put it this way, he said, as his voice began to crack, I miss him. I miss Jesus. The beautiful reality is is that we reflect on what God's done in our life, our own simple story. There are people around us for whom God is at work in their lives that we may not know, we may not see. And us sharing something of our story may help them think about something about Jesus. Some past, some reality right now that may just may help connect them back to the one who will help them to see. So this week, these next few weeks, may we be people who just ask somebody to tell their story. Listening in and just thinking, wow. But then also pray, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to share something uh, maybe of what you've done in my life. Not in a kind of big way, but just in I was this, now I'm this. Wow. May we be the people who point to the one who makes the blind see. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are at work in our lives. and Whether we see that all the time, whether we know you, Actually, you are close to us. May we be people who reach out to you and say, Lord, have mercy. And then, Lord, may we be people who then think about what you've done and then share it with others. Uh, Not because we're special, but because you are the God who's at work in our lives, opening eyes. Thank you for our story, Lord. And Lord, please help us to trust you right now. Despite our many, many questions, that you are at work in us and through us. And we pray this for your glory. Amen.